In Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, Jesus is, is speaking. Lindsay, will you click through there? I seem to have trouble with this thing again. Uh, just over. Thank you. Jesus is speaking is at the beginning of what we call the Sermon on the Mountain. And um, he's just shared the Beatitudes. And then he says to, his, to those who have gathered around him, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has become tasteless, with what shall it be salted? It has strength for nothing any longer except to be cast out and to be trampled upon by men. You are the light of the world. A city being situated on a mountain is unable to be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under the bucket. And it shines for all those in the house. Let your light so shine in the sight of men, so that they may see your good works and may glorify your Father in the heavens. We have been sharing... um, the course of the last couple of weeks concerning our values together. And uh, I hope that among, um, among the things that we're accomplishing uh, in, our, in our time together over these last few weeks, I hope that one of those things that we're accomplishing is that, that we're embedding in our minds what are our values But before we look again at what they are, remember that values are not ideals. They are not platitudes. They are not intentions, even the best of intentions. They are not, uh, I think last week I mentioned, they're not motivational posters that, you know, cause us to aspire to be something or aspire to do something. Values are realities. They are principles. They are essentials. They're like our DNA. They are what makes us who we are. They are our essence. They are our makeup. They are the information that makes you, you, and makes me, me. We are those things that we value. Values are not things that we try to to attain. They are not, uh, they're not solutions. They are not things that we hope to one day accomplish or one day become. They are really who we are. And so when we've been reflecting on these values that we have, these three simple values that we have as a congregation, we're reminded that these are a part of who we are, and we know they're a part of who we are because they're substantiated by our actions. Uh, the, the New Testament talks about the relationship between faith and works. And Paul says we're not saved by our works, we're saved by God's grace appropriated through our faith but that that produces in us good works. And it was James, the New Testament writer, who said that if you say you have faith and don't have any works to substantiate it, if there's no activity and behavior in your life that exemplifies faith, you have no faith. Your faith is dead. It's null. It's void. It's basically non-existent. And so if we speak of values that we have and those aren't seen in our behaviors, they're not really values. They've been relegated back into the ideals and platitudes and intentions category. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those things that really make us as a congregation and as people who we are and who God has made us to be. So our values uh, are three. Relational community, transformational discipleship, and personal mission. 
if three words, if, only, if you can only get three words to, to get lodged into your memory about our values, please remember and mission. That's really who we are. That's what we're about. That's what God has called us to be. He's called us into community together so that we might become disciples and so that we might then be on mission for God. We clarify that by community, we mean real community. It's a relational community. It's not just, hey, how are you doing? It's genuine life shared together, life spent together. And by discipleship, we're not thinking of just some program or just some activity. Remaking us in His image. Causing us to be and to walk as Jesus is and walks. And by mission, we're not thinking of just sending a few dollars to overseas missions. Although, uh, I'm sure that Laurie would appreciate your giving as she's here from India. has been called with Stephen, her husband, and their, their beautiful girls to serve the people of India and to take the gospel and the hope of the gospel to the people of India. But by mission, we mean that God has called us out into the world. He's not called us away from the world. In fact, Jesus prayed to His Father on the night that He was betrayed as He was approaching the cross. He prayed, Father, I'm not asking You to take them out of the world. I'm asking You to leave them in the world. And that leaving them in the world, you would protect them from the evil one and you would sanctify them and you would cause them, I'm embellishing here, to be light in the world. The world, he wants us to change the world. Now that's huge. That is, that's staggering that God's call on your life is to change the world. God's call on my life is to change the world. I look at myself and I think, I'm not even the most gifted person. I'm not the most educated person. I'm not, the, you know, I'm not all that good with my hands. You know, the kids think I'm a builder, but that's because I can follow instructions to put together. You know, I look at myself and I think I'm not the ta- most talented, the most educated. I, not, you know, I, don't ha- I have all these insufficiencies. You probably look at your own life and think, man, I'm a whole lot better off than he is then. Um, but, but, you know, we, we look at ourselves and we think, you know, I'd, I'd be good just to accomplish three things today. I'd be good if I can get the groceries purchased or get them put up where they're supposed to be. I'll be, I'll be good if I can keep the house clean or if I can you know, get done with my schoolwork. Or... You know, I'll be good if I can just accomplish this, but God's call on our lives is to change the world. He doesn't call us to small things. He calls us to be faithful in the small things, but He calls us in our faithfulness to the small things to do big things, huge things, world-changing things. He calls us, He commissions us, He sends us out on mission. Is not some, it's not a concept that you find explicitly stated even in the New Testament. Uh, in fact, that word mission doesn't come up in the New Testament. I've looked it up. 
you can look it up. You can go to your Strong's Concordance. You can go to Bible Gateway if it's on your phone or on the computer. Please don't do it now. Um, but uh, you can look it up. The word mission is not in the New Testament. Very interesting. When we see the life of Jesus, when we see what Jesus established and what you see being played out in the book of Acts, what we see in those New Testament letters is a church that having been commissioned by Christ, having been ordained by them, having been called out by Him, and having been sent out into the world, they go on mission. Because by mission, we think of focus. We think of single-mindedness. We think of someone who is purposed, someone who... Some of you might remember uh, uh, the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. And the church is indeed on a mission from God. We've, we, we are His people. We are in His world, the world that He has created. And we are about His purposes and about His intentions. Jesus told the crowds around Him, you are the salt of the that um, that phrase "light of the world" is an interesting one because um, it's literally you are the light of the cosmos, the universe. You are its light, the earth. Where you stand, where you live, where you breathe, you are its salt, he said. This concept and this concept of mission in the life of the church, in the life of the disciples, in the life of Jesus was something that was huge and monumental and, and world transforming. The concept of... of um, of mission entailed a number of things, concepts from the Old Testament, concepts from the New Testament. Jesus called them to be salt and to be light. They were to be something that added flavor to the world that all that offered offered a a a, a, a sense of light in the midst of darkness, shattering the darkness with the light of the gospel. They were to be a witness. A witness of God's goodness and a witness of God's faithfulness, which is really an Old Testament concept. Israel was established not just to, to, to be some exclusive people away from the world, but Israel was established to be light in the world, to be salt in the world, to be a witness of God to, to the whole world. profaned my name to the nations. The world thinks I'm a nobody. The world thinks I'm greedy. The world thinks I'm vengeful. The world thinks I'm spiteful. The world thinks all these poor things about me because of your witness, your poor witness. That's why Israel was, was placed geographically where they were in the center of the known world at that time the center of trade, 
the center of culture. Africa, Africa to Europe, Africa to Asia, Asia to Africa. Forget which directions I've, I've missed there, but you get the idea. Everything went. There you go. Hey, thank you. You got to keep keep me straight here. Um, everything passed that little sliver of land, Israel, and it's still the center of the world in many ways. They're still fighting and battling and warring and de- debating what the. God placed them there to be a witness. To be a witness of His goodness, His faithfulness, and His mercy. To be a sign. Pointing to Himself. This idea of mission brings up also in our minds the idea of a presence. The body of Christ is what the church was called in the New Testament. They were His presence in the world. They were His presence to their His body. And He leaves the church in the world to be His presence. You and I, as the church, as the people called by His name, we are called to be His presence in our communities. To be His presence at work, at school, to be His presence at the park, at the restaurant. We're called to be the presence of Jesus. And in doing that, we're called to be... It's it's unfortunate that um, in a number of cases, probably in most cases, the church in the West, and yes, I'm beating up on the church in the West again, I'm sorry... I can do that though. I'm family. You, know, you can always critique your family because you're part of it. Uh, I can critique the church in the West because I'm part of it. It's unfortunate that we often think that we bring value to the world simply by being here. You know, our community's better off because Faith Methodist Door has better off because our logo is printed up on the on the building. It's printed on our doors. Our community's better off because we've got a website and a podcast. It's interesting the number of folks that, uh, that, that do listen to the podcast. It's not in the hundreds or anything. Well, it's cumulative in the hundreds, but a number of folks listen to the podcast. Not, not, you know, not as much as like Dave Ramsey or somebody, but Rush Limbaugh, but, you know, I'm getting there. Um, being here, simply by having the doors open, simply by being able to keep the lights on, simply by being able to you know, keep, a, keep a parking lot that looks decent and keep windows that are washed inside and out. We think that just by being here, just our presence alone, that we're bringing value to our community. But that's not how you bring value to a community. You bring value to a community, wait for it, by bringing value to a community by actually taking value that add on to value, that multiply value. That's how you bring value to a community. This community is not benefited just by the fact that we exist alone. 
it's benefited when we're a part of it. It's benefited when we actually take seriously Jesus' call to us to be salt and light, to be a witness, to be a sign, to be His presence, to be means of His grace. That's when we bring value to our community. When we realize God has put us here for We speak all the time of love and we speak of self-giving, other-oriented love. We speak of love that pours itself out, that's not concerned with self. We speak of love uh, you know, that, that, that is freely giving of itself, that's concerned about the other. But what about those others? What about that neighbor that every day when you're headed to or from work you wave at and that's it? Where's the love? Some can wave. He's two. And he brings with him a lot of love. But it's not just the wave. It's the hugs, the kisses, you know, the, the snotty face kisses. You know it. You love it. How do we show love to our community? How do us guys show love to that fellow guy coworker without things just getting weird? You getting your coffee? Hey man, I love you. I was praying for you this weekend. Thanks. How do we how do we really show love? How do we practically give of ourselves and become oriented toward others? Thinking of others, doing for others, expressing love in real life behaviors and actions. How do we do that? Because love is not just, it's not a noun. It's words that we express, although it should be expressed in words. It's not, it's not just... A feeling that we have that we conjure up. It's not something that we assume somebody else knows. It's something that is substantiated by our actions. We do love. We act in love. We behave lovingly. It's interesting that Sauce, its flavor, then comes saltless. What's it good for? What's it going to do? Who's, who's going to make it salty again? It says it is good for nothing. It literally says it has no power or no strength. And it's an active verb. Except to be cast out, passive verb, and trampled upon passive verb. That salt that is lost, it's zest, it's zing, it's saltiness. What makes it it? Salt that is lost, it's value. It is worthless. It can't do anything. All it can do is be cast out. Stepped on. Treated as worthless. 
He said also in that image of light in the cosmos, the world. He said, we read a bushel or a basket it was literally a bucket it was like a two gallon bucket and the, the weird thing about it is it was a bucket in a uh, first century Jewish home that would be used to cover up things that you didn't want no, anyone knowing about it's like you know, oh goodness the in-laws are coming over quick grab all the dirty clothes just shove them in the closet make sure you can get the door shut the dishes are nasty quick grab some dish towels and kind of lay them over the top of the sink, make sure they're wet, and folks will think it's He says you don't take a light or a lamp and cover it up with the bucket. It's not something to be hidden. It's something that you take and you put up on the lampstand. You put it up so that the house can see it, so people can see it, so that, so that what it offers is actually being of benefit. In fact, you put it under the bucket, it's going to be extinguished. You don't try to hide it. You put it out there for others to see it. And he said, you can surround it with a, uh, you know, fortress walls. You can put guards on each other's walls, but you can't hide the fact that it's there. And then he says, you should likewise let your light shine in the sight of others so that others might see it. Not so that they might think of how awesome you are or how good you are or man, that guy's awesome. He's loving. He's so cool. Man, that church. Cleaning up, you know, lawns that need cleaning up. They're up on Mr. Hallowell's roof. Blowing off leaves. How cool. He says we're to let our light shine in the sight of others so that they might glorify God, our Father. So that they might see in us His grace, His love, His presence, a sign of who He is, a witness to his character. Light. The earth in the world. We value. Personal mission. And personal mission. Is not just an institution doing good things. Personal mission is people people because God has given them that community. People who recognize that they are His presence in the world. They are a means of His grace in the world. They are signs pointing to Him. They are to be witnesses of His faithfulness and His goodness and His beauty. And that's something that ought to hit every one of us personally. Because we 
It's not financial mission. It's not um, any number of adjectives. It is personal mission. People being on mission in their world to be light and salt, to express the love of God in their communities. Lewis, will you help me? You got him? All right. As you're thinking, okay, what? Life, what am I going to do this week? Um, Lewis is passing out a little a little card. I want you to take these home. I want every uh, every one of you to get them, with the exception of the babies. Um, although you can put them up above their crib if you want to ingrain this in them early. I'm telling you, um, it'd be a good thing. What I'd like for you to do is I want you to take this. I want you to read it. The thing I want you to be most attentive to is the, the road. Um, hang these up on your refrigerator. If you have an office outside of your home, hang it up maybe on a filing cabinet. Pop it up on your, your calendar. Interesting thing is this will remind you to be about personal mission and how you can be about personal mission. But who knows, if it's on, you know, at your office at work, somebody might say, wait a minute, what's that? And then you have an open door not to tell them what our church does. We're out in our community. We're out changing lives. We're trying to take seriously God's call to be salt and light. This walks you through a, a very simple, quick, easy, anyone can do it, foolproof, whatever you want to call it, steps to be personally about personal ministry. you personal mission. What does that mean? It means that we are a church home through which its people make a difference in their community and in the lives of others. If we're not making a difference in our community, if we're not making a difference in the lives of others, we do not value personal mission. Period. And I mean that period. <laughs> On the back, okay, well what am I going to do to get involved? To get involved in personal mission through this church. Do is simply think. Just think of a need. Keep your eyes open. When you're out in your neighborhoods, keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open to coworkers and friends. When you see a need and you think, hey, I could do something about that. Figure it out. What is it that we can do? What is it, not that the church can do, but that I can do and I can get folks at the church involved in? Whether it's a prison ministry, whether it's meeting the need of a family whose house is burned down. Hey, there's a need, and I've thought of it. The next thing I want you to do is, is tell me about it, but be ready 
for me not to say, that's great, I'll get to work on it, but for me to say, okay, what are we going to do and when are we going to do it? Because that's what I'm going to ask you. We'll get it put in the bulletins. We'll get it put up on the website. We'll get it put up and advertised on Facebook. But personal mission... brainstorming for things that you know the fairies at Faith Methodists are going to do that nobody knows about. Personal mission is taking personal responsibility for the mission of God in our communities. So think of it, pitch it to me, schedule it, start planning, networking, talking with others. Cleaning up a lawn doesn't take 30 people from a congregation. Nobody in this congregation has to feel bad about not being able to be there every single time we're cleaning up a lawn. We do. You can clean up a lawn with three or four people. You can pass out water at the park with just a handful of people. You can, you can start you know, putting together uh, items for, for the homeless just by putting the word out, hey, here's what we're going to do. And if 15 people bring stuff, wonderful. If 30 people bring stuff, wonderful. If only three people, that's fine. And then lastly, accomplish. It's another thing to actually do personal mission. So please, take these home. Put them on your fridge. Take them to your office outside of the home. Keep them in your Bible. Hang on to these things. Because we value personal mission. God values personal mission. Share His love with others, not just to tell other people about the good news, but to live out that good news in tangible, real ways as we express God's love to others. On the back of your communication cards, there's a place for you to um, mark a response. And I want to invite you simply to as you feel ready to commit yourself the first thing I want you to consider doing is pray for the Lord to continue transforming me actually I'm misreading that pray for the Lord to awaken and compel me I think all of us for too long have been kind of sluggish and lackadaisical in our mission for God. And I wonder if with me you would pray, God, awaken me. Seriously, this call to mission. Secondly, I want you to start thinking. I want you to start putting to use these cards. I would say I'm going to offer a prize to whoever contacts me first, but I'm not going to do that. A couple of you have already thought of stuff. It could probably meet me down here. 
But start thinking, what is it? What is a need that we can make or that we can meet? What is what is a, a way that we can show God's love? I can meet a need and show God's love. What am I going to do about it? Because if you pitch your idea to me, I am going to ask you, when are we scheduling it? Where and when, what do we need to do? Because it's yours. And then lastly, I want to invite you with me to become a gracious presence in your community. Just even being your presence is not enough. Some people in our communities might think we're cantankerous, mean, snotty, vindictive, who knows. But we want to be a gracious presence in our community. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you,